Once again, to get another episode of Gil and Roscoe's Alsatian Collie Poodlecast, <laughs> I am Mr. <laughs> Roscoe, Deputy Dog Vacant, and I'm joined once again by the Scrappy, the Dappy, Mr. Gil, Ian, Eugene Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you, dog? I'm alright, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about being called Dappy, though, not because of, of that fucking idiot from Endobs. From Endobs, I know. My goodness, do you see? Uh, Talisa's got off with uh, <laughs> with with her uh, her misdemeanors. I thought, I thought <laughs> you were going to say she's got off with it. Is it her cousin or something? I thought you were going to say oh, like she'd, she'd snogged one of the other band members. Snogged. Snog. You said get off. <laughs> yeah. I... Do you think that's what she said? She went, I went. I want to get off with you. Or or do you think maybe she sent one of our wee minions to say? I know somebody that wants to get off with you. Will you, will you snog my pal? <laughs> my goodness, when did we become a teen magazine from the 1990s? I know. Five words that I never <laughs> heard all the way through school was, do you want to snog my pal? Oh, you've added a layer of tragedy to what should be a, what should be a, a fun show. <laughs> um, so we're, we're starting as we mean to go on, ladies and gentlemen. Gil... Are you doing well, my most pedacious of colleagues? I'm pretty damn good. I had a, uh-huh. had a nice, relaxing weekend with a rain-soaked barbecue. Ah, there we go. That's always the shittest kind of barbecue. How did how did it work out? It was brilliant. I think it uh-huh. might have been the best barbecue we've ever had. And also the moistest? <laughs> the most moist, yep. <laughs> the moistest. <laughs> okay, my grammar... Um... <laughs> My grandma not so good. <laughs> you you don't talk right, like what I does. I think we're we're, we're speaking like the guys from the Black Lagoon. Um, <laughs> well, actually, the, I was the, just watching the, uh, Sherpa type characters. I, I was just watching Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, uh-huh. unfortunately, I had to pause it because of this nonsense. But uh-huh. <laughs> it's just the the bit near the start when they're trying to hide from. The, the two gangs that are having the big fight and they're in the wee basement thing. And when the door opens, he just shouts, FAST! <laughs> Before they all scarper. Not, not run or get away. Just goes, FAST! FAST! Absolutely. So what about, so yes, what about you? Yes, I've been, uh, I've been busy myself. <laughs> You've been busy yourself? Yes, oh, yes. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> it's better uh, to be busy I, with somebody. <laughs> and an excellent company, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've been keeping busy, man. Just uh, lots of mega bussing, lots of uh, lots of happiness, and that's been a bit the size of it, man. Lots of a so, penis. So... <laughs> Never lots, Gil. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> you can't you can't beat the mega bus though. I mean, if you even if you were you really on your, can. if you were on the way to like a a funeral for everyone that you'd ever met. 
it would still be a happy occasion because you'd managed to get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like every time that we're, uh, every time I've been on the mega bus, it's always felt like there's this kind of blitz spirit amongst everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's uh, everyone seems kind of you know, determined and realising that this really isn't the best place that they've been in their lives and this is really a low point in a lot of ways. <laughs> See, if you're behind a mega bus on a motorway, if uh-huh. you look at the back window, there's always a little kid just looking out like the end of fucking Mad Max. Uh-huh. You know, the wee, the wee feral kid. Uh-huh. We never saw the road warrior again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there there you go. So mega, mega bus is uh, hopefully a, a thing of the past once, uh, once I get the trains going once i know how that works i was also going to say i was at uh, manchester uh, oh i was at manchester but that was something else um i was at glasgow comic con uh, a few weeks ago so that was quite uh, awesome you were uh-huh, i was oh, yeah man, um, it must have got lost in the post it must have got lost in the post i don't go to these sort of things because i don't like going to shit like that on my own oh don't oh girl, come on <laughs> I was going in a purely uh, managerial capacity. Our friend Jonathan Jonathan Jr. has written a book, uh, a comic book, and has written and drawn the comic book and had it published and printed up, self-published. And so I was I was there uh, to give him moral support and to force him to show it to people uh, and his comic. Yep. And um, one of the characters so- bears an uncanny resemblance to you, so did he have you dressed in character? <laughs> well, the reason the reason Gil says that is because one of the characters is basically me in a gimp mask. <laughs> so no, I did not. Yeah, evil bastard that you are. But the the comic is called uh, The United, um, and it's available on Forbidden Planet in Glasgow at the moment. But he's hoping to get a website set up soon and get things moving uh, for that side. But it's very cool. If you're interested, drop us a line uh, our email address, which is. Bodacious oh, no, Horror. <laughs> what is it? Uh, horror at gmail.com, I think. But we've also got another one, but I don't remember what it is. I don't remember either. I really should. No, that's uh, that's kind of important, I would say. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, other than that, I don't know. Um, you must have watched a lot of films if you were doing a lot of megabussing. No, I wasn't. I did a lot of sleeping. I read a, I read Julian... I've been reading Julian Cope's autobiography or the first volume of... Um, so that's been a bit the it's been a bit the size of it did. I quite fancy reading his new book. This is the fiction book, yep. the fictionalised thing about a rock star or something, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure where I got the idea from. <laughs> In fairness, I don't really see Julian Cope as a rock star, really. He's kind of... If you saw him live, you would. Uh-huh. He looks ridiculous now, and he's, he's just... uh now? I think you... It, it, he looks very ridiculous now. He looked less ridiculous back in the day. Yeah, he was a bit less less ridiculous when he was in the Teardrop Explodes, but, you know, since he's uh, become... What is it that he is now? A shaman? The the arch-druid. Uh, it's a, he's, a, he's a big druid. That <laughs> 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 just sounds like an insult. Check you out, you big druid. I think, I think Julian's just... Julian's just Julian. It's like Alan Murray. Just it doesn't actually. I don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's too hard to explain. Too hard to think what's going on in that man's 
mind, but God bless them. And uh, we don't know what they are, but we're certainly glad they're kicking about. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So these are the the chinks of light that give us uh, a wee bit of joy in our lives. Um. So yeah, and the other thing I was going to say was our friend Wolfie, um. Uh, Wolfenkin on Twitter, who still listens to us, uh, even though we don't kind of, you know, we don't hang out quite as much as we would like anymore. But uh, <laughs> she's still right. You don't call. <laughs> well, she very kindly uh, bought me a copy of Grayson, um, which is a new comic from DC Comics um, about Dick Grayson yep. and basically him going uh, undercover. Uh, so yeah, and and you know becoming a becoming a secret agent, and it's very cool indeed, and not in the least like the Winter Soldier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's actually written by an ex spy, um, believe it or not, which is nope. pretty awesome in itself. Um, it's, but yes, well, pretty badass. Funnily so enough, thanks very much to Wolfie. Speaking of Captain America, it's now been mm-hmm. announced the Falcon's going to be the next Captain America. Is that right? Yeah, I just I was reading that earlier on. That can't be right, surely. Yeah. Oh. Supposedly. There we go. And I see they're making a female Thor as well. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah. I well, know. Thor is going to be a lady, but they're not making a female Thor. Ah. Uh, they're be going. What would we call it? Lady Thor and Dude Thor. No, one of them's going to be Thor, and I think that they will write in some way that you can differentiate the two. You know, uh-huh, by, sure. by name, because it's not like Thor hasn't gone under pseudonyms and stuff like that before when he's been disgraced and thrown out or had his memory erased and shit like that, so... Well, he's... Uh-huh. I'm sure Mark will... <laughs> yeah, we'll be getting so many people right. at Absolutely. the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, so, yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be good. I've been reading quite a few comics as well. Have you? Yeah, I've actually not done as much film watching as usual been mm-hmm. uh going through all the old guardians of the galaxy comics ah very cool okay uh-huh. not the not like the 60s ones i started with 2008 right so they've, they've been quite good because i'm looking really looking forward to the film now and they have just put up an extended scene but mm-hmm. it really doesn't give much away because it is just them in prison mm-hmm. so how how closely related do you think any of that, you know, the the narrative from the comics is is likely to carry over? Is it same characters? Is there because I know that the one for the sixties, it's it's not really the same lineup as far as I'm aware. Um, it's it's not the sixties lineups uh, really different. That's why I didn't bother right. going that far back at the moment. Although I probably will read them. Sure, but I'm just a bit confused about why those well. There's no Adam Warlock at the moment, supposedly uh-huh. in the film, but some people have pointed out that if you freeze frame one bit, it appears uh-huh. that his, co- his cocoon's in the background somewhere. Right, okay. Uh-huh. So maybe they're saving him so okay. that they can get you used to the rest of the characters before all of a sudden going, uh-huh. right, now here's somebody that that has all these incredible powers and basically would be the leader you'd think that adam warlock would be the leader uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah i'll just i'm just waiting to see because i don't know if cosmo's going to be in it either right right okay so is that is that going to be a major thing do you think well if if there's no 
I don't know if it's if it's going to feature nowhere or Cosmo or anything, or if that's maybe the sort of stuff that they're. This is just going to be a a bit of an origin story with mm-hmm. some stuff that's going to lead into Avengers two. Uh huh. I think there's there's a lot to be said for a film like this where there really isn't the same expectation. Um, in terms of the characters and in terms of what people know about it. Because uh, I, I certainly, I know less than nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing the movie. Um, I mean, obviously, James Gunn is going to be a factor in that. Uh, obviously, having written Tromeo and Juliet and, uh, oh God, what's the other one? Terra Firma. Yep. Um, some other stuff that we've liked. Slither, which was okay. Um, did you like Slither? I did. I, I thought it was quite fun. Man, I wasn't much a fan of Slither, I have to say. Uh, it's kind of I, I didn't find it. Uh, I think um, I think he's worked with Troma uh, as much as he was. I think Slither was his directorial debut. Or he might have done Lolly Love as well. His his wife, but I think Slither was the first one that he, he directed. Either way, um, I just didn't enjoy it as much as the Troma stuff. Mm. It just it felt like it was maybe. Uh, trying to leave it too hard to be something and uh, try to set it side apart. Yeah, just to be I, a bit too much. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think he did his, I think he did his time with Troma, and it's, it's obviously served him well. And I think it, I think I'm very excited to see what a guy like that can can go in and do. I mean, obviously Peter Jackson's in the same same boat where you've got somebody who's absolutely came out of the underground 100% and went on to make some amazing uh, huge uh, budget features yeah um so i think uh, it's always quite interesting when they do things like that and obviously the ant-man situation with edgar Wright is uh, quite disappointing um yep that's 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 really annoying because they've been trying to get ant-man off the ground for so long that it just seemed for ages that they'd totally binned it and then mm-hmm. they said, "Oh no, it's it's all going ahead, and mm-hmm. Edgar Wright's still attached." And then, like two weeks later, it's well, Edgar Wright has left the project that he'd been helming for like, mm-hmm. well, close to a decade. That must. Oh, uh-huh, that's right. That's right. That's just that's just annoying. Mm-hmm. But that's all. That's all Marvel stuff, though. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. DC have also. I I well, I think that DC leaked the Flash and Constantine. Uh-huh. pilot episodes so they could get feedback sure so i've watched them both and uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's very odd because i don't know what the it looks like dc might be looking to try and do a big massive thing mm-hmm. because you well you probably know you'll know shitloads more about the flash than i do i don't really want to be honest i'm kind of marvel guy well, you know the the crisis on although I'm on multiple thing. I'm increasingly into Wonder Woman for some reason. I have no <laughs> idea why. Well, she's going to be in the Batman Superman film, right? Okay, okay. But is Arrow then going to appear in that? Like the guy that's in the TV series. That's that's where the problems start to come up. Is when you've got a TV series where. You're trying different stuff, and you've also got a cinematic universe at the same time that's, that they're trying to build. But the cinematic the... universe is quite grounded. Ah, uh-huh. you know, it looks like normal city. Looks more like a normal city than we used to 
expect from DC films, if you know <laughs> what I mean. And and that's what Arrow does as well. So it would maybe not be as much of a leap for them sure. to include TV franchise characters in it. It just seems like a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it does. It does. It just, uh, obviously, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of done it the opposite way and you could you could see it, you know, possibly working um, if, if there was a character that was introduced in that way. But it just, it, there's the potential for it to just pull you out of it. Yeah. I haven't watched all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nah, I gave up, man. <laughs> I've been told that I should that I should go back and, and watch the stuff that I didn't because it became a bit more interesting. Cool. But, cool. yeah, the the Flash pilot, it's linked to the Arrow TV series. Uh-huh. Because he's is, has the Flash not appeared in Arrow as well? Well, uh, Barry Allen has. Uh-huh. Right, but okay. the Flash hasn't because you see the incident that creates him, uh-huh. you see that in Arrow. And then they did... The, they've done this pilot episode of Arrow, sorry, mm-hmm. of, of Flash that does include Arrow in it, and they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to obviously keep those two somewhat linked. But then at the end of it, it shows you a newspaper from 2015 that mm-hmm. mentions the Red Skies. Mm-hmm. So are they going to try and do the Crisis on Multiple Earths thing? And, sure, wow. But if they are, then that has to bring in all these other heroes mm-hmm. that they're now starting to put into the cinematic universe. So I will be kind of interested to see if they do try and cross that stuff over because that could then become interesting if you have individual TV series for these characters that can then give you a bit more of the background for the stuff that, that would be in the cinematic universe. Absolutely. And also at the moment doing Gotham, um, which is going to be a kind of, almost like a kind of procedural type idea. Yeah. And they've been trying to, uh, they've been trying to cast Edward Nigma as well um, at the moment. Uh, and I've actually, I've actually met one of the guys who, who auditioned for that part and uh, just another podcaster. Um, so it's quite kind of, quite interesting. And they seem to be doing something quite, quite different and interesting with, the stuff that they're doing. I believe it's a kind of timeline maybe about 12 years before Batman really becomes Batman. Yeah. Um, so it's, and they're going to be introducing characters in quite a slow way. Um, and obviously there's going to be clues all the way through as to the identity. There's going to be a lot of kind of, I think the identity of Joker is going to be one of the key things that they've, they've been trying to play up. And I believe that they leaked the, I don't know if it was leaked or whether it's been released, the pilot for Gotham as well. Um, have they? If they've, if they've just done that, then I've I've missed it so far. I'm not sure if it's been leaked or if it's been released, but it was uh, certainly uh, been kind of discussed by quite a few places. Somebody um, was asking me how they're going to make it work because the it it's going to feature the Penguin and the, <clears> the Riddler and there will be the Joker and stuff like that in it. And <clears> they said, how will that work? Because then by the time Batman becomes Batman, they'll be so much older than him but that doesn't really matter because all the way through Batman you've always had these things where it would it would go back to his childhood and one of the villains had been involved in something that later gets brought up mm-hmm. like uh, 
the was it year one where mm-hmm. it's the Joker that kills his parents like in the Burton universe instead of it just being you know sure yeah absolutely Joe Chill but uh-huh. you know it doesn't bother me the mm-hmm. that he's going to be a kid in this because you know you can be bad for years and years and years and the guy that they've got playing the penguin looks looks to me to be a bit young to be playing mm-hmm. what I would consider the correct age for the penguin so sure yeah fuck us geeks we bitch about everything <laughs> we don't just watch stuff and enjoy it absolutely absolutely but yeah so... Constantine mm-hmm. looks alright but I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that they're changing it for the, the series were you a bit were you a big fan of Constantine wasn't a massive fan of Constantine. I I did enjoy it, but I mm-hmm. didn't really bother sticking with it. I read some of it at the start and mm-hmm. thought it's quite good. I'll probably go back and reread more of it. But you know, it's interesting enough. But the the pilot episode just seemed a bit too. Here's here's going to be this character that's going to help with all the exposition that I wasn't mm-hmm. all that keen on, and seemingly that's just being done away with now. Sure. Obviously, at the same time, we've got the Netflix stuff coming out as well. The um, the four Marvel Netflix series. So, what 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 ones are those again? It's like Daredevil, Daredevil, there's Iron Fist, I believe, or is it Heroes for Hire? I don't know. It's like a Jessica Jones <laughs> thing. So, there's like four. I, I haven't four read different... about this, so you you can tell me as well as everybody. Yes, else. I, I believe it's kind of Netflix original series. Uh, Daredevil's one of them. Um, there's like an Iron Fist and a Luke Cage one, but I'm not sure if it's Iron Fist and Luke Cage separate, or uh, all the the you know the three of them together, like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and uh, and Iron Fist because they're all really part of. But you could you could feasibly have all four of those separate because they're all quite close to the kind of heroes a heroes for hire kind of downtown New York, uh, you know type type vibe. Yeah, I've just um, I've just. Uh... Look that up You've on just, the Goat Ogles. Uh, all right, okay. And what's it saying? Uh, oh, the Goat Ogles. Have you told that story before? Uh, I don't know. I probably, I probably have. I, I don't think you have. I think you should tell it. Uh, yeah. Well, when I, when I, I'm gonna mute myself. Is as funny as fuck. <laughs> I, I nearly incredibly embarrassed my lovely girlfriend by t- just telling her a bit of information about the the internets because she was she was doing a college course and there was a lot of computery nonsense involved in it and I told her that Google was originally just a search engine for looking up pornography and nude pictures and it was called Go Ogle and then when it became apparent to them that it was really good for looking up anything you wanted they started telling people it was Google. And <laughs> she almost put her hand up when somebody asked, when the lecturer asked, does anybody have any interesting facts about the internet and stuff like that? There we go. <laughs> I really, really wish that had happened. It would have been awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you um, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was... Yeah, You're a I'd, bad boyfriend. I would have gone to hell for that one, wouldn't I? I think you would have. I think you would have done. <laughs> you would have done. 
Um, okay, so have you seen any other films? I'm kind of we've went on off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, I've I've watched Noah. Uh huh. Finally. Oh God, what was it like? Or no God, rather? Was it? <laughs> well, oh, the creator. All oh, right. Yeah, okay. They, they don't mention huh? God as uh-huh. as God. There's just uh, references to the creator, but. And let's face it, the Old Testament is just full of these insane fantasy stories. Like, Noah is about 600 years old in the Old Testament when he makes the ark. Yep. And I like the fact that Christians complained about it, saying that you should have a disclaimer <laughs> at the start to say that certain things have been adapted so it's not all true. <laughs> <laughs> no heathens were harmed in the making of this uh... Film. Yeah, I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was okay. I mean, uh, I'm a fan of Darren or Aronofsky's work, but uh-huh. I'm also not a massive fan of the Old Testament. Or well, Darrenovsky, as uh, time-saving uh, film fans refer to him as. Oh, well, Darrenovsky makes really, really <laughs> good films, and I really like Clint Mansell's soundtracks and stuff uh-huh. like that. But... Oh, did he do that one as well? Yep. But I... I just, I watched Noah and thought this is lots of big, expensive-looking things, and, you know, it's okay, but it just didn't, there wasn't really anything new there, you know, there wasn't anything where I was looking back on it afterwards excited about in any way whatsoever. Right. I think it's the first time that I've watched a Darren Aronofsky film and just found myself kind of sitting there watching a film. If you know what I mean, there was sure. there was nothing that that really made me go, "Oh, this is brilliant! This mm-hmm. is this is incredible." I liked the the rock monsters and stuff like that, but sure. At the end of the day, it's it's not groundbreaking. <laughs> I also watched uh, Deathline. Deathline, what's that? It's that- about cannibals that live in the London underground. Okay, wow. Okay, so we've, we've done that. We've done that before, have we? Um, no, no. Uh, I meant with creep, but nineteen seventy-three. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was uh, nineteen. I thought you meant that I'd already mentioned it. In America, no, no. in America, it's known as raw meat. Uh huh. And it's 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 it was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Sorry, if you've ever got time, go and Google Jerry Trimble uh, raw meat for one of the best songs ever. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's something else. Move on. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that sounds amazing. That sounds really cool. Was it good? Well, it's yeah, it's it's a drama. It's got a, uh... it's got a very it's got a very brief little appearance from Christopher Lee in it. Oh, so it does and I, it, Christopher Lee has like his typical Christopher Lee opening appearance in it, mm-hmm. as in there's two people in a room while they're searching a house, and then they hear something behind him they turn around Christopher Lee's standing there Christopher Lee's not a monster or anything This in this he's like a detective or uh-huh. some kind it's just a very Christopher Lee entrance absolutely and then he's just awesome. he's just in that one scene and then gone but I I, I really enjoyed it it's sounds really interesting well it's meant to be the these uh, people that were working on the underground <laughs> had all been in a an accident that meant that they were all trapped there and everybody considered that they they were dead and this is meant to be their ancestors. Well there's just two cannibals left. 
That's really interesting. Wow. And then the the male cannibal is uh, going to platforms late at night where there's just like one person, and then he, oh man, he'll kill somebody to take home for food, but then his lady friend passes away, so he decides that maybe he should have a new lady friend. Mm-hmm. But they don't have any language because they've been they've been brought up not speaking to anybody, and sure. the the only thing that the the cannibal says it's actually really really sad at the end as he's he's trying to to warn somebody he's just uh, he's shouting this kind of horrible mind the doors. Oh man, that is creepy. In, in his kind of non-voice uh-huh. vocalization, where it's that's all he can say. Yep. Mind the doors. That is his warning. Sure. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So I Did should you... actually thank Robin Ince for pointing that one out to me. It's a good choice. My goodness. Yep. And I was listening to Robin Ince today on the the radio on the Infinite Monkey Cage. Because he's more popular and successful than us. <laughs> Did Infinitely. We ever talk about... <laughs> and monkey Did we ever talk about Creep? Creep? No. Uh-huh. It's kind of similar deal. Um, it's kind of in that vein. Um, it's very cool. And have you, have you not seen that one? I don't think so, no. I'll check it out. It's again a London underground. Um, it's a woman who's being, um, who's being followed by this kind of very strange... Uh, cannibalistic creature that's quite similar to the the character in the, the characters in the descent mm-hmm. um and it's a, oh, a very strange film um it's uh yeah definitely worth checking out i i had a feeling it might have been by neil marshall but i don't well, apparently know it uh directed by christopher smith but it's, it's a similar similar vibe to those those films i'll give it a look I'll yeah, uh, <laughs> well, Rotten Tomato says it's rubbish, but uh, <laughs> uh, I very much enjoyed it, so that kind of that says it all. Um, <laughs> my little friend seems to think that I like everything, and that I just say, "Oh yeah, everything's amazing." <laughs> well, I kind of do. Well, let's let's wait until we've talked about Willow Creek, and then we can decide. <laughs> 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 I like everything. Um, I also watched Transcendence, and it was pish. Uh, oh, that's disappointing because you were quite looking forward to that. I wasn't. I was going to go and see it in the cinema because it was fuck all else on, and then just didn't go. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I watched um, I watched one good film and one terrible film this week. Um, one <laughs> the one good film, an amazing film that I saw was Rope. Um, the so Hitchcock film. Yeah, I told you it's uh, great, isn't it? Just a fantastic movie. Very, very clever. Um, Jimmy Stewart is just. Absolutely unbelievable, and his. Um, Don't you just want to marry him? He does have a certain uh, je ne sais quoi about him. Um, he's just the 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 way that he looks at the way he looks at the other players, the way that he responds to the other actors, um, is really really good, and just you know. That's that's why I absolutely really draws Harvey. you. Oh. It just draws you into the the whole story um, and the way things are uh, kind of developed and the way that the, the the way that things are are revealed to you slowly. Yep. Um, the central plot points are introduced uh, when the the tur- the what's the what would you say they're just 
you know, a flick of the wrist in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, the other film that we saw, uh, which was not so good, uh, myself and, and Karen, was um, Manchester Morgue. Um, sorry, Love and Dead at Manchester Morgue. Yep. Or, um, or one of 50 million other names. Yeah, it's called sort of Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, which is bizarre because it doesn't feature uh, Manchester Morgue at all. Nope. Um, features so the train station though, it does, it features a kind of awkward uh, moment in the morgue that seems like it was just shoved in to be able to give them the, uh, the, title. Them the title yeah um, and it had quite a quite a cool zombie origin story thing that, that made sense and I suppose probably influenced 28 days later but I was like, I posted it on my Facebook page and everyone was losing their shit and saying oh that's an amazing film and you really need to check this out, it's so fucking <laughs> good and I was just like, the two of us were just scratching our heads because it was minging well I'm actually going to watch it tonight there we go, well you can let us know what you think yep. um, it's, it's, it's an Italian film, it's very Italian um, and it's, it's kind of like Lucio Fulci without the character <laughs> I think, and I, I think a, a big part of it is trying to second guess where people's accents are supposed to be coming from and why they're why the hell they're in Manchester. Yep. Um, are you trying to say that Manchester's not the sort of place that would attract lots of people? It is. It's very multicultural. Yeah. It is very multicultural, and I, I would <laughs> would say that as someone who's been drawn to the city myself. Um, but a, a uh, lot of the people in Manchester would be hideously offended. <laughs> Are you putting that insinuation there? But yes. I, I'm pretty sure that if that when you go to Manchester next time, you will realise that they they really are very incredibly multicultural, and they they will mug people no matter where they're from. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, uh, give it an ignore. I don't know. <laughs> um, and Gil, you also mentioned that you had seen uh, Monty Python, the reunion show. What was that like? I've not had a chance to catch it yet. Uh, it's actually on the television again, repeated uh-huh. if you want to if you want to watch it, and it won't be cut. It was slightly edited, the one that I watched, but uh, I I just. So what channel is this one? Gold. Oh right, okay. So you need to be a fancy Dan uh, Sky subscriber to to be able to see it. I get it. <laughs> well, way to go, way to go, big short. Oh, fine, sorry. <laughs> I know how shocking is that that it wasn't on the BBC. Probably a minute. Well, BBC uh, partially own gold, so they'll get the money from the advertising revenue anyway. <laughs> that, that's why we pay our license fees. Thank, thank goodness. So that the BBC don't have to use advertising, and now thanks to digital television they just bought a load of digital tv stations that use advertising and we don't get money off bastards absolutely fantastic in a world where we can choose to subscribe to any number of services and be able to access limitless amounts of information i think it's great that we're funding this uh, bizarre uh, wretched public sector organization yep um that is basically a tax on the poor I think that's really, really great. It is. I wouldn't mind if it was subscription, because then I just would have the option to not subscribe. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. The the, the TV license. A TV license. The comedy darlings. Fucking nonsense. So the (laughs) the comedy comedy darlings of uh, (laughs) late 1960s and early 70s BBC Mm -hmm. uh, 
Monty Python, the remaining five members, had an impressive cast of extras on stage to to make up for the dead one. Who were the, who were the impressive cast of extras? They had uh, Eddie... Scotland shouldn't leave the UK because I ran eight marathons in Scotland. Is oh my odd? God, I run, run a bloody good marathon. Bloody moving around with a monkey on my shoulder. <laughs> yep, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that guy who was funny sometime towards the end of the 90s. Yeah, they had uh, Mike Myers as well. Oh, uh, there we go. I think he only had like probably two lines that he was to say. And it would be a nice little surprise cameo. And then he goes and fucks it all up by kind of interrupting to go, I'd just like to say that I'm so pleased to be on stage with Monty Python. You're like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And he also you has know what made he a should have to do? Tell me. He should have to go and watch The Guru. <laughs> and he's another uh, anti-Andy person as well. He doesn't want Scotland to leave as 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 an honorary Scotsman, uh, portraying a Scotsman in a number of his films and and being of Scottish descent. He's also uh, shown his his uh, preference for Scotland to remain part of the UK. Yep, but he can get in my belly. So so who else? Uh, John Barman was he there? <laughs> but David Cameron. Yep, they were they were all there. Or the big hitters, or the radicals, Ben Elton. Uh, well, Stephen Hawking. Oh, God. I can't stand that guy. He was in, like, a wee sketch. Uh-huh. With uh, Professor Brian Cox. Oh, there we go. I, I'd say that uh, Stephen Hawking's delivery was a bit wooden, though. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, I just... I watched the whole thing, and some people uh-huh. said that they liked the way that, that little bits and pieces had been updated. Uh-huh. But, uh... I think next year we won't be saying that because we'll be like, oh my God, that's so dated. Uh-huh. I like the fact that the Monty Python shows used to be like a half-hour thing where there'd be a bunch of sketches that would sometimes be tied together by this narrative device that you that you just weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping that they'd maybe do something like that, but really they were just standing on stage doing sketches that everybody knows all the words to. Uh-huh. but with a slightly slower delivery. I think the only one where they seemed to really be actually enjoying themselves was at the end for the parrot sketch, because probably it's the last time we ever have to do the parrot sketch. It seemed to be destroying all the things that I really liked about Monty Python. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I've come in the establishment, and that's the, the joy. Yep. So it just it wasn't... It wasn't glorious, it wasn't brilliant. No. And there was so much singing and dancing. Also, there was an awful lot of it was just videos on the screen of stuff from the old shows. Because they have to go off and get changed and everything. But in the interval, Dara O'Brien was Mm -hmm. in the corridor and chapping on dressing room doors. And a trouserless Terry Gilliam said the... He was the something along the lines of he's he was hoping to drop dead, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two down, so we can just end this whole thing. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, I agree with you, yeah, one hundred percent. I know somebody yeah. that went to see it in the cinema, 
I can imagine that. Oh, sorry, Gil. The exact, uh-huh. the exact same thing that they were showing on TV. Uh-huh. They were showing at cinema. You could well. cinema for fifteen pounds. You could, yeah, you could go and see that. But then they announced it's going to be on TV as well, and they went to the pub at the interval. And uh-huh. weren't entirely sure if they were even going to bother going back. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I went to see the Doctor Who thing in fairness, and that was a really good experience, despite. Uh, Despite the obvious misuse of uh, alleged misuse of taxpayers' uh, license fee, payers' money, um, and oh, no, I thoroughly okay, enjoyed. The BBC <laughs> made an absolute fucking fortune. It made a fortune off it. So that's fine. Tickets around the world. Uh huh. Absolutely. So you know what yeah, I like that, to think of cinemas as? What's that? <laughs> a very short-term subscription service. <laughs> and I, I will be using. Uh, five pounds and ten pence for such a uh-huh. subscription service tomorrow to uh-huh. go and see the Planet of the Apes in 3D. Oh, there we go. Once bitten, twice shy. What? Not fucking Tim Burton. I can't believe uh-huh. I even acknowledged the fact that he made that film. He can, mm-hmm. he can fuck off. But yeah, the new Planet of the Apes, I'm finally going to see it tomorrow. Very cool. I would, cool. I would have got to see it at the very first performance. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... And, and, I don't think and it's live. Want to go. <laughs> You're seeing the first performance. I don't think it's performed live. Yeah, I know. Well, oh, that's... Speaking of things being performed live, uh-huh. the Frankenstein... That's an excellent segue. I'm very that's impressed. Brilliant segue while we're talking about short-term subscription services. Uh-huh. The Frankenstein, Danny Boyle, and Benedict Cumberbatch, and Johnny Lee Miller... Mm-hmm. Thing is being shown at the Empire Cinema in Clydebank on the thirtieth of November for <laughs> uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. At, Why are we at it? right? Okay, the, and the third, the sorry, the thirtieth of October for Benedict Cumberbatch. No, Julie know- Miller in November the third. So <laughs> I I think we should get as many of our audacious Glaswegian friends uh-huh. and anyone that can get there. To go right. see it because it's a tenor of F- performance. Fair enough, fair enough. The reason I'm laughing is because it's it's quite uh, limited in terms of its appeal, in terms of saying, well, this one cinema and Clyde Bank. Well, that's <laughs> that's where they're like, showing it. What we could alternatively say is that it's being shown in a number of other cinemas throughout the UK during that time. <laughs> is it? And. Well, we would imagine so. It seems unlikely that they've just done it in your local one. Well, it's not live, so they can now just be sending round a tape or whatever, can't <laughs> you know, they? A, v- a VHS. Yeah, well, that's what it does. It would be Betamax because of the Betamax. Uh-huh. But that's, that's, that's going to be on, and I'm going to uh-huh. be there. So I'm going to be there so too. So that's going to be better than any of the other cinemas that are showing it. Absolutely, absolutely. So there we go. So that's a ringing endorsement there. Yeah. So uh, guys, we'll have a short break there, um, and then we'll be back to discuss Bobcat Goldthwait's Willow Creek, and we'll be back after Lear's boom. Looking for something to fill that deep, horrible, dirty void inside? Then look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Join your host, Duncan McLeish, and guests as they dissect horror films, old and new. No film is too gory. No film is too scary. No film is too violent for the podcast Under the Stairs. The podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. 
the podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Okay, guys, and we're back uh, to discuss Level Creek, um, which was directed and written by Bob Goldthwaite. Um, and it stars Alexi Gilmore, um, Peter Jason, uh, and Bryce Johnson. Um, Alexi Gilmore plays Kelly, uh, Peter Jason plays a forest ranger, and Bryce Johnson plays Jim. Um, and it also features Tom Yamaroni as himself. Um, it's basically the, the majority of the film uh, takes place uh, in a converse, as a conversation between uh, Bryce, uh, between sorry Jim and Kelly, who are uh, for uh, Jim's. Is it, does it specify what birthday it is or anything like that? But well, anyway, let's say he's, it's... Yeah, oh, based on the based on his logic and reasoning, it's probably his twelfth birthday. So Jim's Jim's twelfth birthday is uh, spent <laughs> trekking out to. Uh, the site of the is it the Patterson Gimlin? Yep. Uh, where? Uh, sorry, Bigfoot sighting video. Um, so the the trekking out and trying to find this particular site. He's wanting to make a a documentary film about that. His wife, his partner, rather, is uh now is she a, she's a, uh an actress or something along that kind of way. Yes. Anyway, she's she's very much reluctant uh, to be involved. She's doing it because she loves him and so on. And I think she's just bored the, with the idea of having to hike. Uh-huh. I can fully understand that. The, the story kind of unfolds um, from there. Uh, it's very much your, your kind of found footage uh, style of film um, and is shot in the style of, a again, a kind of travel documentary, but you, you kind of wonder what kind of, you know, how you would be able to make any of this footage in any way useful for any kind of travel log. Well, or is that just me? I uh, kind of liked the idea that he was just going off to, on his little adventure that he'd really fancied doing for ages. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that he thought he would, let's, let's document it. So he's got this camera and he's got like a wee microphone you know, he's not got like a massive, impressive setup or anything. Mm-hmm. He just wants to do this, and he's he's never done anything like this before, so it's incredibly amateurish. And he's he's a bit of an annoying dick as well. So it I thought is. that kind of made him seem a little bit more realistic because mm-hmm. he he acts and also looks like a dick. So I thought he was very believable in the character. Did you though? <laughs> I thought he was believable as a dick. Can you imagine a jockey guy like this being into cryptozoology? Really? Did it, did he say that he was into cryptozoology? <laughs> I thought he just wanted to go and find the bit where they filmed the Bigfoot. I like the idea that you know. But he's a firm believer in Bigfoot as a an idea. Yeah, and as any firm believer in Bigfoot knows. Mm-hmm. Through having watched the legend of Boggy Creek, uh-huh. the creature always walks the creek. So mm-hmm. you know you'd think they'd be easy to find. So I can find follow his logic there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know somebody spotted it here like fifty years ago, it will still be there. Let's go. Look. 
That makes sense, absolutely. So can we agree that hitting the gym and liking Bigfoot are not mutually exclusive? Uh, well, I like Bigfoot phenomena. and I'm always in the gym, as you can obviously tell. By, well, absolutely, by you're my, ripped. I've ripped to the tits. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I myself am very strong. You you are incredible. I still don't know why they didn't cast you as Thor. <laughs> and I was gutted that they didn't just go, well, you can't do Thor, what about Loki? You know, absolutely. absolutely. Seriously, what what did you think they were doing? I know that we had Austin prick. That bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes. Um, so, and she's an well, actress. So she's uh, she's just <laughs> well. On, I, I on don't camera. know if she's an actress. I'm I'm not convinced based on this. <laughs> well, she's an actress playing an actress. Uh huh. Okay. That, that was to me just being mean for me. Your sake. dog, I heard <laughs> you like actresses. <laughs> so, so put an actress in your actress. <laughs> there we go. Stacked actress. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Fucking hell, that was bad. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Back on track. Um, so, the, the there's a. a whole range of harbingers are thrown in their way as they they perform interviews with a range of locals who have uh, various experiences of uh, of uh, what they think to have been the Bigfoot. They go to a local community that I suspect probably does uh, as, as, as it's portrayed here um, in the sense that they probably do make quite a lot of you know, they they probably do make quite a big thing of the fact that the Bigfoot film was shot there. Well, they've got that one guy that plays himself, who's, uh-huh, who's that's got right. his guitar, and like that is a that's, that is a song. T- Tom Yamaron, and then they do like at the, the end, the there's like a punk rock version of that. Yeah. Um, but while they interview him, like when they do the wee interview with him, when he starts to play his song, the guy kind of. Does this this little gesture when he's standing next to him and she's filming it? Do you know uh, that's the right? Just kind of like check the fucking nick of this guy. Aye, exactly. <laughs> How stupid is this cunt? But and you just you think know, you wouldn't do that if you were trying to actually uh-huh, properly document it, something, or if you were trying to get usable footage. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not like when the guy himself would be watching it back and going. Wait a minute, is he openly mocking me whilst at the uh-huh, same time I've given up time? Great- he does the kind of crazy symbol, but Aye. he's not the one that's. Uh, well, yeah, he, he at least he's making a he's making a kind of a bit of door. Uh, this guy's just uh, maybe he thought so. mockumentary meant you take the piss out of everybody involved. <laughs> <laughs> you just do a normal documentary, and then as people are walking away, instead of saying thanks, you go, "Yeah, dick." Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I, I mean, a, a whole lot of this. Uh, film is, is kind of based around the relationship between the two lead characters and that's pretty much front and centre of the film. Bigfoot yeah. aspects are pretty much in the background. Um and one of the one of the sequences that I liked probably the most and that I, I thought was pretty well done um was when he proposed to her in the tent. Yep. Um and then trying to make a sex tape. Uh huh. And she was just like <laughs> no, <laughs> you're all right, big guy. You're fine. <laughs> and she was nice about it, but it was obviously in the middle of the woods. That's a terrible place to ask somebody. I've to taken marry. you to the middle of nowhere. Now, see this you marriage thing. Leave. Neither of us can leave. 
So you either say yes, or I'm going to feast upon your flesh. Yep. But she had a quite sensible rationale, which was basically, I want to be an actress. All the work's in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would realistically have to come with me. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, did... Uh, what was your kind of considered view of it then, and then and the kind of the overall? Uh, I I liked the the way that it it was like a an amateur person who's just trying to put this thing together, and that his girlfriend's just kind of going along with it, probably because you know, well, at least you're getting a trip out of it, and you mm-hmm. want to see these things, and mm-hmm. and the fact that. He only really brings the camera out when they're next to big footy stuff so that mm-hmm. he can do like a little bit where he's going, look, this entire place has all these Bigfoot things. There's the guy that's uh, playing a song mm-hmm. about Bigfoot as well as just uh, the Tom guy. There's the, the one with the banjo mm-hmm. in the bar. But even when the guy in the bar's doing the song and she's filming it, which would have been nicely usable footage, he turns around to the camera and he's kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, again. Right. Mm-hmm. Ruining more footage. But then he interviews a wee old lady who she says, oh, I, I don't believe in it. So I thought that was quite nice that you've got this little old lady that lives there who might actually even just have been playing herself and that could have just mm-hmm. been a genuine interview where mm-hmm. she's kind of the one person really casting doubt on his beliefs and then they they go out into the middle of nowhere and you know so amateurish that he obviously doesn't have his orienteering badge from the scouts (laughs) because seriously that terrain looked like it would be really quite simple to navigate right if if you just had a compass also there's a creek Uh why don't you just go down on a boat yeah but do you know think that one of the kind of interesting things about this is that it seemed to do some of the the kind of abominable snowman type stuff the the film version with yeah. Peter Cushing the abominable snowman of the Himalayas where the creatures spoiler uh, were using mental trickery uh, and and to to kind of warp the perception of uh, of the surroundings and that did seem to be what was what was being implied a wee bit. You don't just think they um, got lost. I don't think they got lost. I don't. I I think that was kind of that that was possibly uh, that that was kind of my interpretation of it. Maybe I'm giving this film too much credit, but um, th- that was one of the kind of better aspects of uh, the abominable snowman. And I would like to think that they had uh, they they'd done that with this film as well. See, I I thought it kind of showed uh, the the blindfold effect. Sure. That's what okay. I thought, which is like if you if you blindfold somebody in a massive open space and you mm-hmm. tell them to walk in a straight line, mm-hmm. they they start to walk in a giant curve and okay. and would end up back where they were if, if given enough space. Mm-hmm. Which okay. was, that's that's just really geeky, but it's it's a thing apparently. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's it's just kind of the way the way that I read it, and it just did seem that they were trying to uh, utilize a 
more supernatural explanation for things as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then the knocking together of the wood was a, a really interesting um, thing as well. That's the way that they, they were saying that they communicated. And again, it did feel um, very creepy. I mean, the, the centerpiece of the film is a sequence that lasts about 15 minutes. Um, 18? That's, it was... Is it 18 minutes? Um, this this entirely in a tent, uh, just with a camera, basically a hard camera on their faces. Um, so yeah, that's... I you see that's the problem with this film is that it it has this really really good sequence in it uh-huh. because some of the reactions are quite genuine. Uh-huh. You know, I I don't know if maybe they were actually just in a tent and therefore not able to see anything. I'm uh-huh. hoping that's the way it was done because some of the the bits where they get frightened mm-hmm. seem really genuine, but at the same time, for that entire 18 minutes, you've got this little thing at the back of your head that's saying, if you're trying to be quiet, switch the fucking light off. Mm-hmm. You know, if at any point in a found footage film there's a bit where you you go switch the night vision on then mm-hmm. it's that because mm-hmm. if you're if you're familiar with tents you know that when you've got a light on in a tent it's easily visible when it's dark sure. and that just slightly takes you out of it a little bit because mm-hmm. they do switch the light off once and leave the camera running and then switch the light back on and you think well no don't don't do that or climb a tree. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd do. I would climb a tree and have a look. You know, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Willow Creek to a certain extent. And to a certain extent, I also found a few too many holes in it. Sure. I think having sure. the, the characters not necessarily being all that likeable. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, he's not, not all that likeable. No, he's definitely not. But that, definitely not. that makes him seem like... Yeah, we've all met people like that. Sure. So he's kind of realistic, whereas I don't think that I don't think her character's really all that fleshed out mm-hmm. at all. Because the only thing that we can really say about her is she's an actress, and that's just because of the the way that she describes why she can't marry him. That's right. So, I agree. I agree. You know, and the fact that she's behind the camera a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Maybe if they had filmed this, if he if this had been a real couple, then mm-hmm. you you probably still wouldn't get to know mm-hmm. her at all. So I guess that's also kind of believable because it is. You, it makes you wonder how much of it's written down, how much of it is kind of ad lib. Improvised. And... Yep. I, I I would just I would just add to that that I don't think that we really do uh, empathise with the characters all that much and our relationship no. um, with the characters is, is quite limited. Um, for a film like this, where front and centre is this relationship and, and that is really the most important thing about the film, I don't think they delivered um, on that particularly well. I don't think that the we don't we don't feel that Jim is in any way really particularly likeable and I, I don't think that that we should necessarily think that he's particularly likable or that that's that's necessary for the film to be good but the relationships never you know never really develop to the point where we can understand why why they're together who they are beyond being kind of cardboard cutouts uh 
um, two beautiful people and and. Uh, in love or two, be- two beautiful people who are coexisting. Well, that that didn't. Oh, that's that's another thing that didn't really bother me as much because that also lends it a certain amount of believability. Because if two complete strangers had gone and done this, mm-hmm. then any of the footage that they have is just bringing you into an already fully formed relationship, and you're not you're not going to get that sort of character development or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is going to be a certain amount of stuff that they're just not going to feel the need to explain because it's probably the sort of thing that was only going to be shown to friends. Oh, but it's, it's not about explaining, it's about showing. And that's the that's the thing. And, and you've got the opportunity with a film like this to be able to show why why they're together without having to explain it. You can mm. show it in the way that they act to each other. I mean, there's some fun stuff in there. There's, there's like a couple of wee jibes between each other and that's that's great. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, I just feel it's too little too late with the film. Um, it's, it's an established ter- it's... dynamic. That's what it is. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's a dynamic that's established off camera already. Uh-huh. So it kind of falls apart for that reason. And the, mm-hmm. in the same way, the in at least the Blair Witch Project, because you've got three people there, mm-hmm. when one person's filming, you get a bit more of a an overview of the dynamic between the other two. Absolutely. But in this, the only time you really get any shots of the two of them is when they're filming stuff that's in the car, and that's that's really very little. Mm-hmm. So again, again. Blair Witch and Last Broadcast, I think, have done this stuff much, much better. Mm. And I don't, I just don't see what Willow Creek actually adds to it. It doesn't seem to add anything much to a canon of films that's already pretty tired. Uh, the, the, the found footage genre in itself can be amazing and can do incredibly interesting stuff. And I can understand what he's trying to do with this. This is a this is a mumblecore uh, type horror film. It's uh, is that a it's, thing? It's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a derogatory thing, but yeah, it's a it's a thing. Um, I think he's tried to do something that's quite clever and quite hipster, but I think I think Blair Witch already did it. Already did it better. Mm. Although that uh, that one scene in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Does kind of stand out as something that's that's quite enjoyable. I could see why that would be fun to watch in a cinema. Mm-hmm. You know that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's very tense, but I mean, it's no more. You know, it's no better than Paranormal Activity in that sense because it's the exact same setup. And I'm so it is, man. Yeah. I mean, I know you. I know you're probably going to disagree, but I mean, that's it's the the exact same setup, and the jumps are just the exact same. Yeah, it's for the same reasons. I, I I'm not disagreeing at all because I completely agree with you. But the the one difference that I would that I would make to uh-huh. Willow Creek would would be that 18 minute thing. Uh-huh. That shouldn't be the first night. You know, if it wasn't the first night, if mm-hmm. if there had just been a little bit, mm-hmm. and then the wandering about and getting lost, mm-hmm. 
then you've got a believable reason for the characters to actually be relaxed enough to bother putting the fucking tent up again. In fact, you've actually got a reason why they didn't abandon the tent and just fuck off. Because, mm-hmm. let's face it, that's what most people would probably have done in that situation. After a night of hectic craziness where there's things up at your tent and you're, mm-hmm. you're hearing knocking, which supposedly is a way that Bigfoot communicate if you... Mm-hmm. If you watch those idiots that do the <laughs> the Bigfoot things, I, I only like to watch that because they've got that big tall woman that just doesn't believe in any of it. And right. you can tell sometimes that she's kind of trying to go, all right, okay, we'll walk fucking ages away and then we'll mm-hmm. get that fucking idiot that has the most incredible talent. If you're looking for a team of people to go and try and find Bigfoot, then... You want somebody who can just shout really, really loudly whilst cupping his hands together. That's, yep. that's all he does. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, this this film just... It throws you in too much as soon as you get any of that. It, it, uh-huh. That's where it kind of ruins it. Because you, uh-huh. you kind of think, that's where it should end. That's where the ending should happen. Well, absolutely. absolutely. It shouldn't the be a thing I was gonna, The other thing I was going to say to you was another thing that's quite you know, should be well established but isn't, or that that was hinted at and that I hoped would be developed, would be the kind of final harbinger type character who uh, tries to tell them not to go anywhere near the Patterson Gimlin site, saying that basically they need to stay the fuck away from there, they need to turn back and go. Now, how much better would it have been if they had done something that kind of vein a kill list there? Where there was something that was there was maybe a religious cult or something that was protecting the creature, or there there was something like that because that was almost what was suggested by that sequence. Yeah, but then we'd and, be saying but, uh, the problem with this film is it's too much like Kill List. Uh huh. No, but you, you get what I mean. And I yeah. mean, like there's there's even there's a sequence at the start where there's uh, Bigfoot is being uh, as as uh, there's a mural. Where there's there's various big uh, bigfoot uh, squai um, being told to, <laughs> to 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 move move things around and being performing as day laborers. Now that kind of stuff could have been that bit was quite good. Could have been incorporated into the wider narrative, and I think that could have been, you know, done quite creepily. And I mean, even I'm just looking just now. I just googled the poster that was released, um, and and it's a bigfoot. No, no, it's a different one. It's oh, a right. kind of, it's a, um, it's it's like the image from the Patterson Gimlin film, mm-hmm. um, except the Bigfoot is made out of humans screaming, the faces of humans screaming, and then the the Bigfoot's face is a skull, and then its legs are like formed out of the earth and out of the trees, and it looks amazing, and that kind of thing again suggests. That there's something more to it, yeah. but the film really, really didn't deliver anything of that. Um, so I, for me, it was it was very disappointing because I expected Bobcat to have done something a bit a bit more out of the box. Mm. Um, but this this was pretty straight. It wasn't a satire on anything. It wasn't a, um, wasn't a trying to um, comment on the genre. It wasn't a trying to do anything particularly clever. It was just ABC. And yeah. uh, I think we're we're kind of past the point now as as a 
you know, as a genre, I think we're past the point of doing this kind of thing without any, um, you know, without any subtle nods to anything else. I think there's, okay, there's value in doing something straight, but I just feel this is way, way too straight for what it is. For for who directed it? For for who put it together? Yeah. You just would expect that they would be trying to do at least something that was a bit different. Yeah, I, I think that I just started to be annoyed by it when it got to the point where they'd set up their campsite and then they went down and they found the creek and they had... So you know that they know where there's the water source and everything. And mm-hmm. if I was trying to get out of that situation, I would follow the river because, mm-hmm. you know, that's where people build towns. If you're looking for... If you're ever lost in the middle of the woods, folk, and you find the river, follow the river because there's generally a town on it. And... That could have just led them further downstream to mm-hmm. to something else. Mm-hmm. Whereas this Absolutely. it just seemed like they, they got lost, stuck in the same situation, and then the ramping up of that situation at the end yep. just you find yourself going, You filmed everything but this. Uh-huh. And also beware the moors. That's another Yeah. Oh, that's another top tip. That's the, the two top tips from Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast Night are the creature always follows the creek, so you probably should too, and always <laughs> always be aware of the moors. <laughs> so if the creature always walks the creek and you want to avoid the creature, that doesn't seem like particularly good advice, Gil. Well, it does seem like really good advice because obviously the creature has figured out that the easiest way to navigate round the wilderness is use a river. So yep. if if something that that is lost out in the wilderness uses the river to to travel about, so should we? Aye, but it's gonna chow your bones <laughs> and puke you up. That's no necessarily the the best way to go. I did like the fact that the film starts and ends the same way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But again, that uh, girl, that was again just is that, tired. Yeah. Tired, cliched bullshit. Again, it's the same. Again, Cloverfield did something better. Again. Oh, <laughs> so, right, let's not go there. Yeah, you can't let's bring up Cloverfield. There. I was uh-huh. enjoying myself until you reminded me of that exists. Okay. So, Gil, um, we'll have a short break there and we'll be back to discuss the creature from the Black Lagoon. Who, who follows the creek. Excuse me, what are you doing? Are you looking for porn again? No. Well, what is that I see? It's not porn. It's the badassboobsandbodycounts.com website. I happen to be looking at the reviews in the boobs section of the site. They have a section of the site dedicated to boobs? Yes, they do. They cover exploitation films in the boobs category, action films in the badass category, and horror in the body counts category. What's that other option? BB and BC podcast? If you're not into reading the reviews, you can listen to them via the web on your mobile device through iTunes and they cover the same types of films lesser known action exploitation and horror cinema so yeah to answer your question I wasn't cruising porn that's too bad what's too bad that you weren't cruising for porn uh why because I was feeling kind of horny Ooh, wait 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 get back here hey get back here okay guys and we're back to discuss Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954 um originally released in 3D and in black and white it was directed by Jack Arnold um and it stars uh, Richard Carlson as Dr. David Reed, Julie Adams as Kate Lawrence, Richard Denning as Dr. Mark Williams, Antonio Marino as Dr. Carol Maya, Nesta Pava as Lucas, 
Whit Bissell is Dr. Edwin Thompson. Um, Bernie Gozier is Z. Henry Escalante is Chico. And it also stars Ben Chapman as the Gilman on la- the Gilman on land and Rico Browning as the Gilman underwater. Um not that I- Ben Chapman. Not that one. But interestingly enough, both those guys uh have continued to make a good living by going around uh, and being the original girl man. Um, and, Don't they know uh, that I am uh-huh. the, so, the original uh, girl man? Absolutely, absolutely. So up to Ben Chapman's death, I think he died about 2009. Um, he was he was doing that, and Rico Browning uh, was doing the same. Um, Do you so know what else effort. Rico Browning did? Tell me. He created Flipper. Oh, really? Yep. He his first foray into the, the world of film uh-huh. was the creature from the Black Lagoon purely by accident. Sure. And then stayed friendly with the, the people who made these films and he helped them develop this this thing called Flipper about a dolphin that start that was a film and then became a television series and then also worked on lots of underwater sequences for films. Interestingly enough, including both uh, of the James Bond films that were based on Thunderball. Wow, so there you go. Different studios, is that right? It was different studios. It was uh, Thunderball. What was the deal with that? It was like the same actor, or was it different actors but different studios? Well, Sean Connery wasn't wasn't that keen on Thunderball uh-huh. and didn't think that they'd done a particularly great job. Uh-huh. So then the person that had the rights to Thunderball uh-huh. let him redo it as Never Say Never Again, which is a sarcastic tongue-in-cheek title because uh, Sean, ah, Sean Connery had fantastic. said like, uh-huh. he hadn't played Bond for 12 years uh-huh. and when he was asked if he would ever play James Bond again, he said never again. So when he finally did play Bond again, they used that for the title. Very cool. That is a great story. With the underwater sequences that are the standout of both films, both involving Rico Browning. Fantastic, man. Great link. Um, So do a kind of quick uh, synopsis pretty much just covering the setup um so a geology a, a geology exhibit expedition rather and the amazon uncovers fossilized evidence from the devonian period of a link between land and sea animals in the form of a skeletal hand with webbed fingers expedition leader dr carl meyer visits his friend and former student dr david reed an archaeologist who works at an aquarium in california and has been a guest at meyer's marine boat biology institute in brazil for over a month Reed persuades his boss, a financially-minded Dr. Mark Williams, to fund a return expedition to the Amazon to look for the remainder of the skeleton. Um, so he's joined by uh, his girlfriend and work colleague, uh, Kay Lawrence, um, and uh, they go in search of evidence of this creature that is the missing link between man and beast. You know where they should have looked? Where? At the end of the arm. Because they <laughs> yeah, don't. The right? arm's sticking out a wall. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure Shut that up. anybody that has any interest in archaeology 
we'd go, think... well, you've found an arm sticking out a wall. <laughs> you're, you're looking for the rest of it. You, uh-huh. you don't go, check down river. No, you, you take that wall apart, bit by bit, very, very slowly. But also, uh, that uh, says it's the Devonian period, when, uh-huh. obviously, when Devo were really popular. Aha! There we go. Whip it. it good. But, uh, oh. actually, actually, in the film, they mm-hmm. they do say that they think the creature was from the Pleistocene period, so, uh-huh. you know, who, whoever... Myself. I, I had one as well. But then, then I moved on. That's some great work, yeah. yeah, yeah went on in my Play-Doh period. <laughs> it's like the Pleistocene period, only edible. <laughs> Slightly different consistency. Yeah. Um, more, more like mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um. So, yes. I'm just so annoyed um, that somebody on Wikipedia is, is getting their geological epochs all over the place. So, um, this is... Probably the last, the last of the great uh, Universal monster movies, I would say, and it's uh, it's a similar beast in a lot of ways to the the other films, um, although uh, it is different. And I think the, the the kind of interesting thing about this comparatively to last week's episode of Phantom of the Opera, um, you say last week like people. <laughs> like people think we do them every week. Yeah, well, we don't do them every week anymore, unfortunately. Um, you're you're too busy. Oh no! You, you, you just don't get the reception on the megabus. Jet setting around on a megabus. Can, can you imagine if we were doing an episode where you're recording it on the megabus? It would it would be like when you're watching the news from a war zone. <laughs> you'd be the you'd be the guy with the bad Skype the bad the bad Skype connection where uh-huh. <laughs> it's all breaking up and Bodacious Horrell's uh Roving reporter. I <laughs> absolutely war correspondent. Absolutely. Um so yeah, it's uh I I'm disappointed. Uh the the, the Blu ray comes with a three D version of the film, um which is I believe uh, supposed to be quite a faithful um, conversion of the the original uh, version, which wasn't. We've discussed this in the past. It wasn't released in your kind of anaglyph style uh, 3D originally. It was a it was a black and white 3D, um, which well, interestingly, it didn't have to be didn't have to be black and white. Right. Okay. I don't. Uh huh. It's. Uh, oh yeah, the film didn't need to be. The yeah, film didn't, didn't need to be. As a stylistic choice, absolutely. Because I mean, we've, we spoke last week about, uh, you know, the the three color or four color. Is it three color or four color technicolor that uh, was Phantom of the Opera? Yeah. Um, last week. Um, but yeah, of course, this is we're getting to a point now where, uh, where, where black and white is more of a stylistic choice. Um, well, or a, a, mon- cost, a, a monetary. Yeah, sure. this, in sure. this case, as the uh-huh. the the commentary track says, uh-huh. if they'd filmed it in in color, it would have cost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make. My goodness! Filming it in black and white cost them six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. Okay. So uh-huh. I, I think uh, I think looking back on it now, you think you should have wasted that extra hundred thousand dollars. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I think. I, I think I like the way this looks. I think having that and that in the black and white style, and having that um the, the that quite naturalistic three D before uh, before the kind of anaglyph period took off. Uh, I would really like to see this in three D, and I think hopefully once the technology uh, comes down in price for the Blu Ray TVs and stuff, this will be a really good one to yeah to see. I think the underwater sequences. Um, are absolutely astonishing in this film, and there is. I think the technical prowess is is uh, really something. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's particularly technical. It's just. It's just beautiful. It's, it's, it's well, re- I think it's very technical. Uh huh. Because three the three D cameras were really uh-huh. really new at the time, and uh-huh. in, instead of uh, just using three D cameras to to make something that would be really really simple, they went. How can we take them underwater? Sure. You know, I I just would love to watch this in three D because Absolutely. it looks really nice. And there's an al there's a, a small alligator gar in the river. Mm-hmm. There that's mm. the it's a fish with a really long pointy nose. So where do they where do they actually film the sequences? Because I'm not a chance, unfortunately, to watch the documentary this week. Oh, uh, um, I've seen it before, but it's been a while since I get a chance to look at it. Well, I would actually say for this film, it's it's uh, because I mean we absolutely forgot to talk about the extras on Phantom last week. The extras are quite minimal and they're okay, so that's uh-huh. that's that for the Phantom extras. The sure. extras on this are quite minimal. Uh-huh. Uh, the the commentary track mm-hmm. is really really interesting. Mm-hmm. It has there's there's an opening sequence where it's it's just a kind of as the guy says it's like a throwaway scene with uh-huh. them out on a a boat and they're out in a, a little raft a boat turns up and then you've got two characters have a conversation and then cuts on to the next scene mm-hmm. that was filmed in multiple locations over different days and it's the exact same for every under Every underwater scene in Creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And every scene that's above the water mm-hmm. was filmed at the the lake that they've got at Universal Studios. Universal, yeah, I thought that. Uh-huh. So anything that's... Whenever the, the K character is underwater, mm-hmm. it's not Julia Adams. It's uh, actually a, a mermaid performer. Ah, okay. Because they, when they went to test out the the 3D camera to see if they could get it to work underwater, uh-huh. they they went along to these Floridian underwater performers to ask them, "Where's a good place to film and everything? Can you go and show us?" And then when they were doing the underwater filming test, they asked their their guide if he would just swim in front of the camera to so that they could see how it would look. And that was Rico Browning, who they then phoned up a couple of weeks later and said, do you want to play the creature in this film? That was his... That's how he got into Hollywood. Sure, sure. So it's... There's, there's so many fascinating things about editing yep. in this film mm-hmm. for me, because I quite like editing. And just mm-hmm. seeing the way that it's all put together... It's just brilliant. Yeah. So, sorry to be geeky, but just the idea of 
this person's here at the moment always because the the main actors never went to florida right everything okay. that's underwater uh-huh. is done in florida all the stuff that looks incredible in 3d underwater mm-hmm. that's not the people that you're expecting to look at it's sure. also why the the two main guys on the boat the one of them wears one tank on his back and one wears two so that you can differentiate between them when they're under the water because wow because they obviously can't you don't get a close up of anybody's face uh-huh. when they're under that's very interesting apart uh-huh. from obviously the creature sure but also the creature's not played because of that the creature is played by Rico Browning uh-huh. when he's underwater and Ben Chapman and, when he's above yeah who cuz which it kind of works as well because the creature moves differently when he's underwater as opposed to when you do see him on land. I mean, he's he's quite staid mm-hmm. when he's on land. There's no extravagant kinetic energy or anything sure. like that. So the dramatic kinetic energy that you're... Ex- extra- extravagant. Extravagant Extravagant kinetic, kinetic energy. Wow, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so was that hampered in any way by his lead boots? That's why they made him wear lead boots, so that he... Uh-huh. So that he would kind of glide across the floor as a because obviously he lives underwater, uh-huh. like uh, everybody in the year three thousand. <laughs> According to Busted, <laughs> there's a callback you, to episode forty eight. Absolutely, are you doing this as a bet? No, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> no, that, that's the extravagant kinetic energy was a bet. So make make okay. make uh-huh. make. Nemesis now owes me a pound because <laughs> he said that I had to. I'll buy you a pound if you can fit uh-huh. in the phrase "extravagant kinetic energy." So I, I think that I did manage to. So yep. So uh, okay. Well, well. Good luck getting a pint out of somebody that stays in London. Um, <laughs> good luck getting that. a pint out of Mick. Mick. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. I'm sure he'd give you a pint of something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yes. Um, so yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, the this is an important film and it is a film that looks beautiful um, uh, and it is a film of great beauty but as a... Little plot... Is it an enjoyable film? Well, interestingly, there, there's like this uh, plot hole that's accidentally been put in there, uh-huh. which is they've you've got the expedition at the start who find this this hand sticking out a wall, and then mm-hmm. decide to sail down river rather than checking where rather than looking the wall. Ah, uh-huh, sure, and that. That takes you away from the place where we've already seen Gilman kill somebody. It's just like seeing Gilman. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so enough, takes you... you're just pissed off that there isn't a universal monster called Rossman. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw, but there my are friend... cigarettes though. <laughs> Twenty Ross friends. Yeah, well, that's it. Deeg's posted a thing on our page saying that they're planning to um, pull together a 
in the Marvel style cinematic universe for the Universal Monsters, which can only be a good thing. That's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh God, don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that, I'm sure that will be really good. Um, so <laughs> yes, so but yeah, I, the, the scene that's, yeah, t- the scene that's missing is sure, uh-huh. see when they when they go on the boat, uh-huh. and they're they're sailing away. You'll notice it when you watch the film. They point it out in the commentary, the in the actual script, because somebody had read the script and said, "Well, why have you got this introduction where you reveal that your creature is at this place where the fossil of another creature has been found, and then all of a sudden everything moves? Mm-hmm. So, wouldn't that actually just make it less likely?" There's, they actually filmed a bit where the creature's following the boat. Mm-hmm. And then it's been edited out. But whoever edited it out hasn't edited the the music or anything. They've just cut this, this right. one bit. Okay. Uh-huh. So the the music jumps. The, the music of that bit is actually composed by Henry Mancini as well. Oh, he, there we he go. He did work uh-huh. on this. There's... Uh-huh. there's uh, I think they said there's 25 musical cues in this. 11 of them are borrowed and the rest of them are all new. And Henry Mancini did some of the work on it. Mm-hmm. Was this, is, uh, again, Hans Salter that's uh, involved in this, right? Yeah. Uh, Hans, so, well, Hans Salter made the the kind of da, 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 three, uh-huh. three note thing for the creature that apparently is played more than 100 times throughout the film. Uh-huh. That's uh... Uh, it. It does get old, but I mean that's that's really what he was good at, and I mean that's in terms of defining what is important about the Universal Monsters. I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that had just as much an influence um, on that on that kind of thing. I mean, uh, we we spoke before about you know even the the kind of less good ones, House of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. Um, you know the the themes that he pulled together for those are astonishing as well. Yep. Um. And you know, hats off, man. I mean, that's 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 what it's all about. And that's th- those uh, those kind of little cues. He's are, he's are, probably mo- the second most influential composer of all time, right behind the guy that did the Intel music. That guy. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Hold on to just reboot. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back in the room. I'm back. Um, oh, God, that was a little Breton thing again, wasn't it? That was, yep. God damn. There's, there's a callback to fucking episode one or something. Uh-huh. And to all my patter ever. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an important film, and it's one of these kind of totally beloved films, but I think that the plot... Um, least something to be desired. I think there's a there's an interesting love triangle that happens. That it's, it's not really a love triangle per se, but there's there's a certain amount of professional jealousy, professional and personal jealousy between uh, the the two uh, male leads. The, two, um, the, the couple of dicks. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> is it David and Mark? Yeah, both both um, played by men called Richard. There we go. Wasn't there? We wasn't go. it? I think. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> And then there's also well, you've you've obviously thought up the joke, so yeah. No, yeah, I, I think, hadn't. 
Uh-huh. And then there's Kay as well, who is the object of both their affections, even though it's not specifically uh, stated, perhaps. And and Gilman as well. He's uh, he's quite enamoured with her when he sees her doing her swimming. Yes. Yep. It's King Kong. Because the the revenge of the creature takes up the second half of the kind of King Kong story where Gilman is taken from his habitat to a new place and they they change the the object of his desire mm-hmm. to a, a new woman but the but essentially the the guy that that wrote it and everything said yeah it's it's king kong that's right, that's what right. they were going for so all we get here uh-huh. is the the first part of the story you know like the discovery and the only thing in the plot that i really i don't understand is why the creature blocks their way of leaving because mm-hmm. they're they're trying to go away i mean obviously he's kind of going well she's nice oh i like her but mm-hmm. at the same time why would he be because he gets shot with a spear you'd be thinking that he wants them to just go away but then, uh, he, uh-huh. but then he dams the river. That's the that's the one weird thing about him. Well, not yeah. not the one weird thing about him. He is part man, part fish. That's kind of weird. Yeah. And also, he lives in a a grotto that you have to swim right down to. But it also has a beach entrance. And I like the fact yeah. that they refer to it as that at one point. Uh-huh. You go and check the beach entrance. And I was just like, I'd love to live somewhere where people would say, I like your beach entrance. <laughs> Some people say I'm half man, half fish. Others say I'm more of a 70-30 split. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that one, old Greg? Yep. I'm old Greg. <laughs> I know. It's... Could I take you to a club where people wee on each other? You ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? I'm going to hurt you. See, right now, there are so many people that are <laughs> listening to this and they're remembering your it's just attacks on the poor comment and they're thinking, <laughs> he's getting his fucking money's worth out of that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Every reference funded by the BBC, we have now lost all of our integrity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. So... Um, yeah, I, I mean, for, from your perspective, would you? I mean, well, it's not the kind of thing where you can really say, "Oh, I recommend it" or "I don't recommend it." It's a creature from the Black Lagoon. You know what you're getting. It's a amazing film. It looks great, but um, it's 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 lacking in some areas. Uh, but awesome nonetheless. Yeah, it it does look beautiful. It's uh, I'm just a wee bit gutted that it just doesn't have that substance that makes it a recommend Uh it's important that it's in the box set oh absolutely and I think uh, I think nobody's going to question this one I think Phantom you could perhaps say well why is that there whereas this is absolutely part of the canon and absolutely is uh, you know as significant as as a lot of the others Phantom's just a retread it really is is. and if, if any if any classic horror box set needs a Phantom of the Opera, it doesn't need that one. 
<laughs> but when it comes to the creature, mm-hmm. you know, I I think that it's especially important because of the 3D aspect, which sadly we haven't been able to watch it in. Aye. It's, uh-huh. it's a bit of a shame because... But again, man, I mean, the, the great thing about this is that it's on the same disc. Once, techn- once the technology comes in and costs a wee bit, it's going to be... Um, you know, it's gonna be a wee bit easier to access. Yeah. Who knows if it will? Who knows if it will? Um, three D could equally be pretty much just a flash in the pan, in terms of becoming increasingly the focus of kind of consumer products. It could equally become the go to the point where nobody wants a three D Blu-ray player, or a three D DVD uh, TV. Um. Well, that's quite interesting because. Do- can uh, a PlayStation 3 play a, a 3D Blu-ray disc? No, because you, you need a... A 3D, 3D Blu-ray, Blu-ray player, so... Uh-huh. I yep. mean, you need a 3D Blu-ray player and you need a 3D TV. Uh-huh, that's right. I, I can't imagine there, there being a point where even if I had enough disposable income that I would actually see that as being a worthwhile investment. Sure. But I mean, it could equally it could become the standard. That's the that's the other argument. Your 3D Blu-ray, you can pick one up for about 150 now. Mm. But you've got your the the thing is, you need the 3D TV. So, um, who knows? Who knows what the world's going to bring? When, but, when we do eventually all have 3D TVs and 3D Blu-ray players, it'll be awesome. Absolutely. That's that's, that's my prediction. Well, guys, uh, we'll probably. Cut that there and have a short break um, and we'll be back uh, to close out the show. So we'll be back after this. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, freaks of nature. You've come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, Take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Alright guys, and we're back. Um, Gil, you, I believe, have been out shopping uh, for uh-huh. something yes. I believe. Uh-huh. Would you care to tell the boys and girls at home uh, what you've been up to? I have six copies of Manborg. You have six copies of Manborg. No, Gil, I believe you have ten copies of Manborg. No, I have um, but you're, you're giving You're giving away six of them. The other, the other four you're keeping for different rooms in your home. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> what what's a bathroom without a manborg in it? Gil, the first episode we ever recorded, you made the statement while we were recording. Have I told this story on the show? No. Please stop me if I have. Um 
but you were phoned up as a what age would you be? 30, 36, 37 at the time? Well, I'm 37 now. We've been doing this for two years, so probably 35. 30, 35. There we go. So as a 35-year-old man, the first time we ever recorded a show, you got a phone call from your mum saying uh, your auntie is thinking about buying you a sonic screwdriver. Would you like one? Do you have one? And you said, yes. But get me two. One to keep nice and one to play with. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what really annoys me? I only got one. Can you only get one? Can you take batch? it out of the box? <laughs> I know. And at the she was at the barbecue that I was at the other day, uh-huh. so I punched her in the face. <laughs> right. Okay. So you have you've you've acquired through legal means six copies of Manborg by Astro and Sex, um, which we you would we like. we both highly recommend. Uh huh. Absolutely. Uh huh. And we would like to give these new homes because having that many copies of Mamborg in in the one home really it has it has been detrimental to my everyday living because people <laughs> now know he's got lots of copies of Mamborg. <laughs> so I I would like instead of me having all the hassle of Mamborg fans outside going, he's a copy of Mamborg. I would I would like to to post them to se- uh-huh. select people, mm-hmm. and I think the you really it's it's like a Hercules style trial, right? That we have to put people through for them to to get a copy of Manborg. So well, since we've since we've run out of films and run out of ideas, um, I think it's kind of. Um, it would be fitting if we were to uh, give people a task to suggest films which Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast could cover in the coming weeks. Um, it might be interesting to see if people want to suggest particular themes, for example, like if they wanted to, maybe two films that sat well together. Yeah. Um, would that be a, a fairly good suggestion? Yeah, I I would uh, I would like the fanborgs. Uh-huh to give us a suggestion for either a film mm-hmm. or an entire episode, which we will then do and dedicate that to them and send them a copy of Mamborg. Very cool. I would like to point out that the copies of Mamborg are region two. But mm-hmm. anybody that's at, that is in America, mm-hmm. they can still do that. As long as they've got some way of watching it. Uh-huh. You know, you could. You can find your own workaround, or you could just uh, you just keep it in your house as a thing of beauty anyway. If you're in America, though, please don't apply, because I don't really want to spend that kind of money sending things to people. Well, you, so I've, I've, I've got them. I'll, I'll be posting them. You're a, ma- you're a man of great wealth. You'll be able to, to, to take that kind of so, burden on your shoulders. Yeah, Absolutely. So if anybody does have suggestions for either a film or a theme, and don't just don't just say J horror. You know, uh-huh. say like, uh, I want you to do another episode on J horror featuring these films, and don't sure. don't suggest films we've already done. <laughs> you can suggest, you can suggest what the fuck you want. We'll, you can say, we'll, pick, we'll pick the six best. Um, and we'll take it from there. So you are unlikely to win if you pick a film we've already done, though. That's, exactly. So you suggest whatever you want. But he probably won't win if we've done it. (laughs) 
Very cool. Okay. Um, Gil, so, have you got anything exciting that you need to um, that you need to get off your chest before we close the show? Yeah, the addresses for where to suggest the films. <laughs> okay. Batran. Uh, email is at bodacioushorror at mm-hmm. gmail.com mm-hmm. or uh, post your suggestions on our Facebook group mm-hmm. or page. They're both called Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Podcast. Bodacious Horror Podcast thing. Jeez, Louise, you don't even know the name of the bastard show. Well, you picked it. That's that's (laughs) all back to the first show. I don't have a clue what it was called. You went, Bodacious Horror Podcast. Get Uh in. Guys, thank you very much indeed for listening. We very much appreciate you taking the time uh, to download Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. It's the first time you've listened to us or if you're finding us through Stitcher, you can subscribe on iTunes by going uh, by searching for Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. You can check out our website, which is bodaciousshorror.co.uk and you can find us on Twitter at Bodacious Horror and at Gil Rokotansky. And we'll be back next week to discuss where, which we've been threatening to talk about for quite some time. Thank you very much to Duncan McLeish for uh, suggesting that we talk about that. <laughs> um, There's a man born DVD winning his way to you right <laughs> now. <laughs> no, there really isn't. Um, so, guys, thank you very much again once again, and we'll catch you all again next week. Wow.